Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, worship team. That was really good. Marlon, thank you for leading us. I pray uh, everybody's happy out there, uh, as happy as you can be. Um, I believe the Lord really wants to use this time for our good. I'm going to share what I believe is, is something that can speak to your heart if you allow it. So, so I just pray this morning that your heart would be open to hear from the Holy Spirit. And it would be, it would be something that would carry you uh, through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to be reading out of Second Peter. Uh, I'm going to read Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. But before I read, I want to just give you a little bit, a little bit of a background on Second Peter. Second Peter was obviously the, written by Peter, the apostle, and it was written sometimes very near to his death. He, in fact, he said that in uh, chapter 1 of Second Peter. He spoke, he said, Jesus has told me that I will soon, uh, I will soon pass from this world. So it was some of the last things that he shared. Um, and so I always uh, want to pay attention to those things. When we, when we hear someone giving their heart at, towards the end of their life, especially somebody like Peter who was such an amazing an apostle and a father in the faith and had followed the Lord for almost 40 years and walked with Jesus, obviously. And so he had uh, an amazing amount of wisdom. At that time, when it was written, uh, the church was under persecution by Rome. Uh, Nero was the emperor, and he was, he was killing Christians. You know, they had the whole thing going, and obviously Peter himself was martyred. And, and also there was issues in the church with um, bad doctrine. There was a lot of bad doctrine that had begun to infiltrate the church, causing a lot of division, Lots of questions, lots of issues. So there was the, the situation, and Peter was gravely concerned about the, about the body of Christ. And I believe today uh, we're in a, not exactly the same kind of circumstances. Obviously, we're not being persecuted directly uh, in, a, in the United States. Other nations are, uh, China, North Korea, Iran. These are places where Christians are, are experiencing great persecution. Um, we could be having that eventually in our nation so, but we are, we do have a lot of bad doctrine, honestly, a lot of things. Social media has been amazing. We wouldn't be talking to you now without social media. We're, we're thankful for the internet. But there, it's also presented some problems. It has given pretty much anybody and everybody a platform. Uh, and it's beautiful that there's people that, we, that would never have a platform like this. Uh, to be able to speak to a, 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 a to the world, it's beautiful that there are people who have things that in the past we'd have never known about those people. We'd have never heard the 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 the, the gems and revelation that God had given them. Uh, but there's also people who have a platform that should never have a platform uh, because some of the 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 wickedness that's being spewed out of their mouth and distortion. Some are uh, very purposeful and some not so purposeful. So we have these situations. We have division in the church around truths and around what this means, what that means. But I believe it's a time for us to put those things aside now. I believe it's a time for the body of Christ to come together. So I want to encourage you uh, this morning, first of all, to put these things aside. And let's not divide around truth. Let's not divide around um, what we believe, what these people believe. It's, it's just not a time for that. 
it's a time for, for the body of Christ to come together in unity. And so I encourage you to, to, to lay aside things that may be divisive to you. Let me just read this second, uh, second Peter 2. It says, For God did not uh, spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell. That's a, that's a powerful statement. He threw them into hell. He didn't just walk them into hell. He literally threw these angels into hell in gloomy, gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. So there's actual uh, demons that were formerly angels that are actually in bondage now. They're not even released. Uh, they're not even operating in the world. They were so wick- the wickedness was so great that God wouldn't even allow it. And God uh, did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah. Let's underline that that phrase. God protected Noah. Very important. When he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. He made them an example. But God also rescued Lot. God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people. The Lord knows how to rescue you. Uh, from our trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. So you see the, the goodness of the Lord and the severity of the Lord in these verses. I want to just highlight a few things for you this morning that, that I think are very important. Number one is that phrase, the Lord knows how to, to rescue godly people from their trials. So we're going to have to really understand that God has his eye, God has, has his heart on his lots and his Noah's. And you are a lot, and you're a Noah in God's eye. You're the righteous in Christ Jesus. And God wants us to know, and that's one of the things that Peter wanted his audience of that day to know, that the Lord has his eye on you. The Lord, You're the Lord's treasure. The Lord's concerned about you. He's concerned about your situation. It's amazing that Paul the Apostle prayed in First Corinthians or Ephesians 1.14 uh, that we would receive revelation to know that we are His holy people who are, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. We are God's rich and glorious inheritance. And that's known by revelation. And, and when, in these times, these are critical things to really know in your heart. That we're God's inheritance. We're His treasure. We're His family. We're His children. And, he, and, and if, if this is only a head knowledge, this is not going to impact your life. It will cause... You, you, will, you will have despair on you. You will have, you will have a feeling of hopelessness on you. The, the fear will grow on you. Uh, but when you begin to realize who you are in Christ and realize how God really looks at you and how God views you, it causes your faith to be activated. It causes you to really understand that even though you're in this world, there's difficulty, there's problems, just like God rescued and protected Noah and his family and Lot, 
God will do the same for you. That's what Peter's trying to get to the people. Even though people are dying, people are being persecuted in the day of Peter and his end of his life, God was also taking care of his people. And so that was something we really need to have in our heart today as we're going through this, this time that the world is in, this pandemic time, is that God's going to take care of you. And he's going to protect you. And he's going to rescue and get you through this. Now, I just think it's such a key thing for all of us to really to meditate on that and put that in our hearts. Amen? Uh, listen, God listens to you, and he's not going to abandon you and, nor your family. Okay? He's not going to abandon you nor your family. He has not abandoned you. I just really believe that if that can grab a hold of your heart today, it's going to make a big difference for you. The, the next thing um, that we need to uh, understand from this is we need to be careful about what we're seeing and hearing. Okay, it says here that, uh, that, that Lot was a righteous man. This is verse 8. He, he was a righteous man in the Lord's eyes. Even in the New Testament, he was considered a righteous man. Um, even though he made some terrible choices in his life. Uh, being righteous, let me just point this out and make sure you get this. Because some of you out there, I'm sure you don't feel like you're righteous. Many times, none of us feel like we're righteous. Righteousness is actually a, a legal term. It means right standing. And, and in Christ, the Bible tells us Christ has become our righteousness. Christ has made us right with God. That's what the Bible says. That's a clear teaching of the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.21 that, that Christ has made us, put us in right standing with God. Righteousness has nothing to do with your actions, with your deeds, or anything. It's not something we earn. It's something we receive as a gift from God. It's a given thing. Okay, now obviously it will affect our actions, but it's not about our actions. We, from God's perspective, if you're born again, you are in right standing with God today, period. Period. Whether you've sinned, whether you've made bad choices, you're still in right standing with God. And from His perspective. Now, from your perspective, you may not be in right standing with Him. Because of your heart, because of the guilt, because of shame or whatever might be working on you. But from God's perspective, God looks at you and says, we're in total right standing. Because of the blood of Christ, what Christ has done on the finished work of the cross. Well, the Bible declares in the New Testament that Lot was a righteous man, yet he had difficulties in his life in the culture that he was in. Now, this is key, guys, especially now. We're living in a culture, and we're, and we're especially in a moment in time where we're hearing things, we're seeing things, and it's working on us. Everybody that's listening to me knows exactly what I'm talking about. We all know that what we hear is affecting us. One way or another. And so Lot was in this situation. He was in a very immoral culture. You can go back to uh, Genesis 19 where this whole story is told about Lot. And it says, it says that it was, it, was, it was working on him. It was working on him because of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. And he was tormented. It says, literally said he was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day by day. Let me emphasize those words. Saw and heard day by day. See, we're hearing something and we're seeing something day by day. Not, and obviously it's, it's, it's wicked things, it's immoral things, but it's also uh, this, the lies, the, the fear that has filled our atmosphere. All of those things are affecting us. The, that word torment there in the Greek 
the picture, the Greek language gives that word, it's a contrary wind. It's a contrary wind blowing against you. And that contrary wind will cause you to fear. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. Okay? That's how faith works. Faith comes by hearing. We hear something. We are able to hear because of the Word of the Lord. Okay? Well, fear comes both by hearing and seeing also. You hear what I'm telling you? What you're listening to is going to affect you. What you're focusing on is... In other words, Lot was in a culture, and, and instead of dialing into God, instead of putting his focus on, on the things above, his focus was what was happening around him. He was consumed by what was happening around him. And that tormented him, that was a contrary wind. The Spirit of God is like a wind, and it's blowing. But there's contrary winds, there's other winds. And those things were pushing against who Lot really was. It didn't take his righteousness away. It didn't make him an unrighteous man, but it hurt him. It hurt him greatly. Lot was a very prosperous man, very wealthy man because he, he was he was part of Abraham, the father of faith's family. He was operating under the Abrahamic covenant that God gave Abraham. And so he, he was very blessed. He was very prosperous. And he wound up living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Bad choice. Bad choice. Bad choice put him in a bad situation. And once he got in that bad situation, he got consumed by the culture. As many of you out there today, you're consumed with what's happening in the world today. You're consumed by this pandemic. You're consumed by what the media, the national media is saying. You're consumed by it. And I'll tell you this, it's tormenting you. It's a contrary wind. Am I saying that we shouldn't be aware of what's going on in culture? We shouldn't be paying attention, listening to our leaders? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we shouldn't be consumed by those things. If all your focus is there and you have begin, you're beginning to neglect the word of the Lord, you're beginning to neglect your, your prayer, you're beginning to neglect your relationship with the Lord, you're headed down the, the road that Lot headed down. And let me tell you what happened to Lot. Lot lost everything. He, here he was, a blessed man. So you can be a blessed person. You can be a prosperous person, and you can lose it all, not because God's angry with you, but because where you have put your heart and what you have let to come in, allowed to come into your life. He lost all his wealth. His wife, he lost his wife. His wife died. He didn't lose his two daughters, but that is not such good news anyway. But guess, guess what happened to his two daughters? Parents, you need to hear what I'm telling you this morning. This is what happened to Lot's two daughters. Lot and his two daughters escaped Sodom before God destroyed it. Lot's wife died and she became a pillar of salt because she disobeyed the word of the Lord. Well, guess what happened? What uh, Lot's two daughters did? This is all in Genesis 19. They became very concerned because they would have no children. So they got their dad drunk. They got him drunk and they had sex with him. And they had children. Both of them did it to him. Now, listen. We're talking... Peter's saying Lot was a righteous man, yet he had uh, uh, terrible, he did a terrible thing. He didn't, obviously, he didn't know he was doing it. It was wickedness by his daughters. See, what happened to his daughters? Listen, y'all, listen, families, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. You're, these children, these girls were raised in this culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. It got into them. It got into their hearts. 
It got into their hearts so bad that they carried that perversiveness outside when God rescued them. And they did this hideous thing with their dad. And two, two nations were born out of this. Moab and Ammon. These were two nations that were born out of this uh, sexual relationship that they had with their dad. Two very wicked nations that, that gave God and gave the world difficulties for, for forever, really. And so, so I want to encourage parents today, especially in this time with your children. It really, is a, it really is an amazing opportunity that you have, parents, where your children are no longer in the public schools or the private schools. It's an amazing opportunity for you to begin to detox in your children of some things that this culture has put into them. It's, it's an opportunity. You don't miss this opportunity. See, see, what the devil has meant for evil for our nation, God is actually doing some amazing things or giving us opportunities to do some amazing things. And how much more amazing could we do to save our children from this uh, mindset, this cultural thing that has leaked into, our, has been coming into our culture for years to turn their hearts away from the one true God and turn it into, you know, something that could really absolutely destroy them. So I want to really encourage you today as parents to take the time with your children and help the children get back to the, to the word of the Lord. Help the children get back to the heart of the Father and who He is and, and begin to detox them of the lies that have been put into them. Because I'm telling you, folks, we can, be, we can try to be cool. We can try to be, be uh, you know, uh, trendy. And, or, you know, we can try to be religious. What, whatever it is, we can try to do all that. But, but we're being destroyed. And what better way to destroy our nation is to destroy the children that are being raised right now. We can absolutely destroy it. We can destroy the world with, with lies. So... I want to encourage you to be careful about what you're seeing in here. I want to, I want to warn you. Uh, I'm not really, uh, this is not, I'm not trying to be political here, but I want to warn you about the media because I find it uh, obvious that there is, here we have certain parts of national media saying things like this. We should stop showing the president's daily press briefing about this pandemic. Now think about that. There, the narrative, the narrative is, has, is being taken away from certain media. And they're, they're pushing back on it. They want to not show it live where they can put together their little clips. We need to wake up. That should tell you something right there. Now I'm not against media. I think media is a gift, but I'll tell you this. There is an evil intent being released on our nation. So I want to warn you. I'm warning you, I'm telling you today, you need to be careful about what you're listening to in, in terms of media. You really need to be careful, and be, you need to wake up and pay attention to what's really going on and what's being said out there. It, this is important. This is important. This is really important. We're, we're really in a critical time, and I think the people of God need to start waking up to what's really happening around them. We really do, and part of that is, is resisting some of the stuff that's going on, you know, in our, in our nation and some of the things that are being spoken over our nation through, through some very powerful voices. We need to very, be very careful. And we need to really, really, uh, you know, filter that. So that was, this is some of what Peter was trying to communicate here. 
to, to the church in that day. And so this is something that God wants to communicate to us. So, all right. I hope that didn't sound too heavy, but, you know, if it did, we need, you know, there's moments where we really need to focus. Now, I want to contrast something for a minute. I want to contrast Lot with Abraham because the New Testament declares both uh, Lot and Abraham righteous people. The difference was is Abraham, let me just read this, James 2, 23. Uh, so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteousness, as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Abraham was a righteous man, but in contrast to Lot, Abraham kept, he never lost his wealth. He never lost his prosperity. He never, he lived a blessed life. And yes, he made some terrible choices also. Even though, again, he made some terrible choices, but at the end of the day, his family was not destroyed. He didn't have, he did, there was no kind of perversion that really came into his life like, and that created havoc. And he kept his wealth and he became the father of nations and he became the father of faith. And that's really the person. And so, what was, and so one of the things I want to point out to you, the difference between Abraham and Lot. What was the, the difference? They were both righteous people. That's a, a question. Well, what was the difference? What was the difference between Abraham and Lot? And if you go back and study their lives, this is one of the things that you're going to discover. There's, there's many differences. I want to pinpoint this one difference. Abraham built four altars in his lifetime. He built four altars, and, and Lot never built one altar. Now, now, in the Old Testament, altars are very, were very important and a very key part of the spiritual life of the people of God. Th- this is important now. Okay, this is really the, the main thing I want to talk about. Let me uh, give you some facts about altars. Uh, in the Old Testament, altars are where people met with God. They are where people met with God. So you, we see right away... Even though, from God's perspective, Lot was a righteous person, there was a breakdown on Lot's part in terms of meeting with God, in terms of his communion with God, in terms of his relationship with God. Okay? Uh, There are over 400 references to altars in the Bible. So altars are an important part of the Bible. Most of the defining truths, spiritual truths, in the Old Testament are revealed at an altar. Most of the defining greatest truths in the Old Testament happened at an altar of some type. That's that's just an amazing thing. The first mention of an altar is when Noah built one in response to the covenant God made to never destroy creation again as he did with the flood. That's in Genesis 8. So altars are where the people of God discovered the covenant heart of God. The covenant heart of God. That's, that's where altars are. That's what an altar means. We're, we're going to discover the, the covenant heart of God. In other words, that God's a father. God has, has brought you into the family. That God has made promises to you. God has brought blessings to you. God wants to enrich you. All these things were discovered at an altar. Okay. According to Isaiah 6, there's an altar in heaven right this moment. Right this moment, there is an altar in heaven. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, part of the answer to that prayer is the altar from heaven invading the earth. The altar from heaven. And we know at that altar, uh, there was a coal taken from that altar and put on Isaiah's uh, mouth. 
And that put the word of the Lord in his mouth. And it took the word of, the, of, of culture off in his mouth. We need, a, we, need a, we need a touch from the altar of heaven this morning. We need the coal. We need God to take the coal from heaven and put it on our mouths. The people, the world, the people of God need to hear the voice of God. That's, that's, what we're, that's my prayer. Lord, give me your voice this morning. Let what I speak be your voice because that's the thing that's going to shift culture. That's the thing that's going to change us when we hear your voice. When we hear your voice. And I believe that voice is available to the people of God who are willing to submit to it. Uh, In the Old Testament, obviously they built physical altars. Abraham built four of them. They were all very significant. But we don't need to build a physical altar. That's that's an amazing thing. Uh, Hebrews um, 13 says that we have an altar we have an altar. That altar that we have is inward, it's spiritual. It's our heart. It's our heart. Okay? It's our heart. That's where that altar is located. It's within our heart because that's where we meet God at. We meet God in our heart. Now, of course, we can meet Him in, in congregational and, and that. That's, that's, that's a sense of an altar, but it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Okay? It's very spiritual. This is really important, guys. Uh, let me, it's the kingdom of God with you. Let me read one more scripture. Whew, I hope everyone's doing well out there. Um, one of the greatest uh, pictures of an altar in the Old Testament to me is, is the altar that Isaiah, not Isaiah, Elijah rebuilt when he challenged the, the priest of Baal and uh, 1 Kings 18, one of the most powerful uh, demonstrations, maybe apart from the Red Sea parting, uh, one of the most powerful demonstrations there are in the Bible uh, where God brought fire down from heaven in response to, uh, to, in response to Elijah calling on God to prove to Israel that God was the Lord and, and Baal was nothing. And, and later there were many of those priests of Baal that were slaughtered. So, you know, what happened, if you go back and study it, you know, uh, Elijah challenged the priest of Baal and brought all of Israel together and challenged them. Let's see who God is. You, you, go, you go first, priest of Baal, and call on Baal to, come, you know, to bring fire down. And they, it says they spent all day. They cut themselves. They pleaded. They went through this great religious exercise trying to get Baal to do something. And, and Elijah even chided them. He chided them. He, he, he said, hey, you know, uh, maybe Baal's in the, on the toilet. That's what he, he literally said. Maybe Dick Bell's in the bathroom, using the bathroom. He can't come help you right now. He was, he was punching, punching at them. And then the time came where they were just exhausted. And so it was now Elijah's turn to see if God would answer. And this is what uh, Elijah did. He, he said, Elijah called to the people. He said, come over here. Come over here. Or, or another translation says, come to me. And see, I just believe, y'all, if there's anything that we need to hear right now is we need to hear the Holy Spirit saying those very words, come to me. This is the time for us as a people to draw near to God. This, that's the point here. That's what I'm trying to get to you. I want you to hear this. That's why we need to, to some of you need to disengage from the news some. You need to disengage from what culture's saying, son. You need to disengage from your worries, son, and do exactly what I like. He said, come here or come over here to me. And, and, and then it says, all the crowd, they all crowded around him. In other words, they responded 
to the call. The people responded to the call. There's a calling. There's a calling that God's releasing in the earth. And I hope you're hearing it. Uh, I hope you're hearing this. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, when all this started, we, you know, we've been believing that God was going to shift things, that God was going to do a new thing. We, we were, have been experiencing a new momentum of the Spirit in our church, and, and, and we felt that something was going to happen. None of us imagined this was going to happen. This was not, not on anybody's radar, really. Okay? But it did. It happened. Okay? And so here we are in this situation, and we've all been trying to figure it out spiritually. I, I'm, I'm sure you've been asking God about it, and, and like, Lord, I, you know, would you just speak to me about it? Here's one of the things the Lord told me, uh, is, is the only way you're going to get through this thing is you have to let go. You've got to let go. You've got to let go of what was. You've got to let go where you think things should, should be. Listen, y'all, this is hard. I get this. But the only, this is the truth from mine and Becky's life. The way we've gotten through everything, personally, in our family, in the church, economic, all these things, is we hold everything with open hands. When it all comes down to it, everything has open, we have an open hand. Lord, this, this is not ours. Every bit of it's yours. We're, we're stewards. And if you're coming and saying that's over, that's done, and I'm going to take it, then we have to let it go. And so it's a place, if you really want to begin to hear from the Lord, I want to encourage you. Like those people, they heard something that day because they'd sit there and watched all that craziness going on. Their hearts were open. And when they heard the voice of the Lord and, I, and Elijah, when he said, come here, come to me, they heard something. And I want you to hear that today. I want you to hear the Lord saying that. But here's what you and I must do. We've got to let go and surrender. Okay, I've... We know, Becky and I, again, we like, Lord, this church belongs to you. This is your church. This is not our church. And if this church, if, if you even mean for this church to come, come to an end, we're good with that, Lord. Because we're going to follow you, Lord, and our future is in your hands. And I'm, that's a big deal for me to say this because like everybody else out there, we had to have income. We had, this is our job. But we realize that God may have something different. He, he may have something different. I don't, I'm not saying God's going to do that, but I am saying we need to be willing to what we had and the way life was for us. It could change, and we need to let it change. We need to come to a place of surrender and brokenness in our heart. And I think that, and see, when I look back over, for, over Becky and I's life together in the Lord, that is how we've gotten through everything. It's through surrender. And we just surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, it's yours. What do you want us to do? We'll do what you want us to do. We'll do it even when we don't like it, even when we might disagree with it. But if we believe this is what you're saying, we're going that way because we know in the end that's where blessings are, that's where prosperity is. And so I want to encourage you today to really begin to, this is how we do this thing, is we surrender. We let go. We don't try to force it. I tell you, the only thing we're doing is in terms of spiritual warfare and stand up, we're standing against the devil. Because we know God, the devil didn't, we know God didn't bring this calamity. This, this came from evil. But we know God's using it. And, and in this, we're standing against the devil and declaring victory in, in Christ. But we're not trying to say victory means going back to the way it was. We're not saying that. Victory is God getting his way in our life. God having his way and having, his, and having the final word. 
And that's, that's really how we have to approach this. If you want to get through this, and, and that will release anxiety off of you when you be, come to that place, and you'll begin to hear God speak to you then, and you begin again to make decisions based on the word of the Lord, based on the knowledge of God, and based on the wisdom of God. I hope you're hearing this. This is important. Says they all crowd around him as listen, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. That's the key. And then the next thing that happened, God brought fire down on that repaired altar. When the people, when Elijah, when they begin to do this, God responded from heaven. I believe if you and I will begin to repair our inner altar. Our inner altar of our heart, where we go back to God and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to fix me. There's a brokenness here that's not good in my life. I'm, I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of, I'm full of fear. I'm full, full of torment. I've allowed things into my life little by little. I've been believing lies. I've allowed doctrine and theology that's really not even in the Bible. I begin to believe philosophy of man. And all that has had a tremendously detrimental effect on me. This is a time to begin to repair that altar, that altar, that place of meeting with God, that place of relationship with God. We're at that time, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know what to do, this is where you start. This is the most important thing you and I can do is begin to look at our relationship with Christ and look at what we've allowed into our life and look at the things that are affecting us and and driving us and begin to surrender those things to the Lord. I mean, you know, one of the things begging, I said, well, we can sell our, if God takes it all away, we'll sell our house if we can. If we can't, we'll just lose it. And go find us a place to live. God's going to sustain us. He'll take care of us if we'll do what He asks us to do. It, we have to surrender. We have to give up. We have to let go and let God work in our hearts. And I believe if you'll do that. God will begin to speak to you and give you peace, give you joy. Instead of fretting over your 401k or your retirement or your job even, I mean, obviously we're going to be concerned about those things. But I really am just entreat you today is, is repair. When trouble strikes, the first thing we should always do, repair the altar of our hearts. Because that altar was broken down in Israel at that time. And when they repaired it, God responded. And God responded with fire. And God responded amazingly. It, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. And that's what God will do in your life. I believe when you begin to turn to God, you'll see that He's already turned to you. He never turned from you. And He'll respond to you. And He'll bring His fire to you. It's time for people to be accelerated. It's time for people to come into something new. I personally believe when all this is said and done, we're going to come out better. I think we're going to be more prospered, more, more anointed, more gifted, more. I think I believe all that. I believe that because as I'm repairing the altar of my own heart, I'm here starting to hear God that God has another plan in place than what the world has. So I want to encourage you today. I want, to get, I want you to take this opportunity this morning to, to look into your own heart and begin to surrender. Begin to just surrender. That's all you got to do. Just start surrendering and start saying to the Lord, you don't have to feel it. Because feelings come and go. 
But if you can sincerely say to, to the Lord, Lord, I just want to surrender to you today. I want to let go of the things I'm clinging to so hard that I'm hoping this shaking won't shake loose. Here they are. My hands are open. Here they are, Lord. They're yours anyway. You gave them to me. If you're choosing to take them, then, then please take them. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight, Lord. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to embrace you. I'm not going to embrace what's happening. I'm going to embrace you, Lord, and what's happening. If you begin to do that, I believe the Lord will begin to answer. And some of you, God's going to answer by fire. There's going to be some anointing that's going to come. There's going to be some power that's going to come in your life. And you're actually going to carry the word of the Lord like you've never carried it in your entire life. So let me just pray for you. I'm going to close and I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to to convict you. I, I really want the Holy Spirit. I mean, I have felt very convicted uh, and, and I've become a lot more intentional about what I'm listening to now. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my grandchildren, especially my, the young ones, about what's going on and what's going on in their hearts now. Uh, Maya mentioned we were going to do communion next week. I, I encourage you to start today in doing communion as often as you will. It's a, that you can come before the Lord with communion and, and begin to ask the Lord to do some things in your life. Take, please take advantage of this time. And we'll come back together and meet again. I'm, I, I really feel assured of that. But I don't want us to come back together and just try to pick up where we were. I want us to come back together with a new wind of the Spirit that we've never had in this church, with a new power on us that we've never had. And I think this is an opportunity right now, today, in the middle of this, that we can begin to allow the Spirit of God to work. So, Father, I just thank you for everyone listening. I ask you, for, I ask you Lord, we're like, we're like the children of Israel back in the days of Elijah. Uh, there has been an invasion there has been a literal invasion by the enemy into, our, into the nations, including our nation. And slowly but surely, things have been eroded. Truth has been eroded. The gospel has been eroded. But Lord, we're going to stand up today and declare something different. We're declaring the Holy Spirit come, Holy Spirit anoint, the power of God come down. We're asking you to do that today in Jesus' name. And we believe that. I pray, Lord, for that fire from heaven to fall on altars all around us, every one of our hearts. The fire would come. We'd be like the men on the road to Emmaus when they discovered. Didn't our hearts burn, Lord? We're asking for that spirit of burning to come into the body of Christ, Lord. I pray for everybody listening to this today. I pray that spirit of burning would come. I just ask you to do that, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do thank you for listening today, and God bless you if you are, are part of this church or if you're not a part of this church and y'all have needs and, or you need someone to talk to, please get in touch with us. We're very concerned for you. We love you. We want, we're praying for you. Uh, we're here for you as much as we can be. And just believe that and trust that. God bless you. Have a, an amazing week in the Lord. Amen.